Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're talking about being blessed this morning. We're going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. In particular, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are those first four, five, six, seven phrases that Jesus said. And usually you hear it like this, blessed are or blessed are. And the word blessed means happy, joyful, right, favored. And so all we're going to be looking at this morning is blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. So if you have your Bibles, this is also in the Bible app. Uh, if you have the Bible app by version, just go to your menu, look down on events, and when you click on events, you'll see Emmanuel Baptist Church pop up. Click on that. You'll be able to follow along. If you're registered with the Bible app, you'll be able to take notes, underline scripture. It's a fantastic resource. <clears throat> Beginning in verse number one, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And this is the verse we're going to look at this morning. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The first statement I want to make this morning regarding that is mercy does not belong to the deserving. Mercy does not belong to the deserving. I've been around the block a time or two. I turned 50 in California this year while my wife and I were visiting her family. So it's hard to believe that I'm now of that generation. I still feel like I'm one of the 20-year-olds in the church, and I still look 20. And then my wife poked my fat roll this morning, and she said, your shirt looks funny. So, so I changed my shirt. Um, <laughs> it didn't help. Thanks, Dave. I'm sucking it in. Yeah. Somebody said I could get a Spanx. They make those for men. I don't know. Blessed are the... Listen, mercy doesn't belong to the deserving. Obviously, I don't deserve it right now for making those jokes. But, I mean, here's the deal. I've been around the block a time or two. And what I've heard Christians say, Christians act this way. That I'm not going to forgive this person because they don't deserve it. Right? Or I'll give mercy to this person because they deserve it. They act appropriately. They act the way I expect them to act. And so I'm going to extend mercy to this person because they deserve it. 
But the reality is, mercy is not mercy if it goes to those who deserve it. Okay? Jesus Christ died on the cross for those who didn't deserve it. I don't deserve the death of Jesus on the cross. I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with someone yesterday. I'd asked them if they'd been to church, and they had. And I had asked them if they had come to receive Jesus as their Savior yet. And they said they, they didn't know about that. They'd not been taught that. And so I took some time to share with them the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. Jesus Christ came to earth, God in the flesh, and lived a sinless life and died on the cross to take the penalty for your sins in mind because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And most people in the world today live their lives with a set of scales. They live their lives with a set of scales and they think this, that if I do enough good to outweigh the bad, eventually God will accept me. If I do enough good to outweigh the bad, maybe I'll get to heaven or nirvana or whatever afterlife they're looking for. But the reality is you might do more good than you do bad. I think there's some people out there that are like that. The problem is, the reality is, the bad is still on the scale. And the Bible says that Nothing shall enter heaven that, that speaks a lie, that, that thinks an impure thought. I mean, heaven is the perfect ideal, and the only thing that can cross through the gates of heaven are people that not only have good on their scale, matter of fact, it's got to be Jesus good on their scale, and then the bad has to be washed away, has to be cleansed. And in the Bible, listen, the, the, it teaches us that Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no cleansing of sins without the shedding of blood. And so when Jesus died on the cross, His blood is what cleanses our sin, washes them away. And then, Scripture teaches us, we are accepted in the Beloved. When we come to Jesus, we recognize, I'm a sinner, you died for my sin. And I believe you rose from the grave and I'm asking you the best way I know how. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Save my eternal soul. Cleanse me and make me your child. The scripture says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall receive mercy. Not because you deserve it. Not because you earned it. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us the opposite. You can't earn it. You must receive it. It's a free gift. Mercy, mercy does not belong to the deserving. Mercy does not belong to the deserving. <clears throat> I lost my place. Uh-oh. No, it's not that bad. I want us to take a, a little journey here to Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, but I say to you who hear, can you all hear me this morning? Let me hear it. But I say to you who hear, can you hear me? Yes. How about you online? Can you hear me? I want you to say yes in your beds, living rooms, dining rooms, kitchen, wherever you're at watching. Can you hear? This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I say to you who hear, love 
your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Mercy does not belong to the deserving. Bless those. My kids, sometimes they struggle with this one. I might say more often than not. Bless those that curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Now again, I've been around the block a time or two and I've run into Christians that say this, I will not, I will not be used. Well, that's your call. But Jesus said, if you can hear me, listen to me and obey. Blessed are those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Blessed are the merciful. What's the rest of the phrase? For they shall receive mercy. If you, if you want people to be merciful with you, y'all might want to practice being merciful with others. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Listen, Jesus didn't mince words. He's looking at people that thought an awful lot about themselves. Okay? You follow? He's looking at people that had loads of good works and they were self-righteous and holier than thou. And we addressed that last week when we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Whose righteousness is it that we're hungering and thirsting for? The righteousness of Jesus. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. Guys, that's just sort of natural law. You wash my hand, I'll wash yours. You pat me on the back, I'll pat you on the back. You give me a dollar, I'll give you a dollar. You love me, I'll love you. I'll tell you, some marriages would do well to read these verses and husbands and wives live them out. When I do premarital counseling, I said, hey, is marriage a 50-50 proposition? And a lot of people say yes, absolutely. We each give 50% and it's 100. And I said, no, no, it's 100%. They go, oh, 100, 100? I say, no. No, not if you want to stay married for long. It's a hundred zero. What? A hundred zero? I'm like, haven't you ever had a bad day? Haven't you ever had a day where you just didn't feel like being loving, caring, compassionate? Haven't you ever had those days? And if your spouse only gives back to you what you give to them, that's going to be a miserable marriage. Do good to those who do not do good to you. Love those who do not love you, right? <clears throat> and if you lend to those 
from whom you hope to receive back? What credit is that for you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back, but love your enemies. Mercy, mercy does not belong to the deserving. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He, hallelujah to this, He is kind to the unfaithful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I've heard preachers, there's a principle here, generosity is the principle. And I've heard a lot of preachers preach on giving using this verse, right? The reality is, the context here is talking about mercy. It's talking about love. It's talking about forgiveness, right? If you are merciful, if you are loving, if you are kind, it's going to be given back to you, pressed down, flowing over. And another passage says, shall man give to your bosom? Boy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But what can we learn? What can we learn from this passage of Scripture? I'm going to give you six things to start off with. One, mercy is expressed in love. Mercy and love are inseparable. If you say you love someone, but you don't have mercy for them, I would say you're a liar. Mercy and love are inseparable graces. Mercy does good to those who do evil. Mercy does good to those who hate us, right? Mercy blesses those who curse us. Can I get an oh me on that? Right, like how many of y'all are really good at this? Somebody flips you off when you're driving your car. I had a situation. I know, listen, your pastor is not perfect. I mean, I try to practice what I preach, but that's why they call it practice, because I'm still practicing it. I'm not there yet. I came into the parking lot. Was it early summer, late spring? I came into the parking lot, and some bozo, sorry, some wonderful human being was pulled over on the side, so as you come to enter the parking lot, if you're not really paying attention, you could rear-end him because he didn't pull into a parking spot. He just pulled in and stopped. I don't know if he was playing Pokemon or changing his tire. Or hell, I think he was helping somebody. So I, <laughs> I saw him there parked stupidly, and I thought, I'm going to give him a little wake-up call, so I slammed my brakes on. And he looks up. I'm like, dude, you're not in a spot. I don't mind if you park in our church parking lot. Dude, help yourself. I think it's awesome you're trying to help this guy, but you're going to get hit. Do you see where you are in relation to the road? And so then I drove around, and he's watching me. He got, got in his car, 
rips out of our parking lot, and I look at him, and he flips me off. And I'm being nice to him. I said, you can park in our lot. I don't care. Just don't park there or you're going to cause an accident. That's all I was saying. Granted, I slammed my brakes on to make the point. But he flipped me off on the way out. Can I tell you, I failed this verse. I came storming in the house. <laughs> it's not funny. It's really bad. <laughs> I came storming. I put my fist down on our island top, and I'm like saying things that weren't blessings. And my wife, who loves me, she looks at me and she says, you ready for it? She says, <clears throat> are you finished? <laughs> Do you really think that's appropriate? <laughs> I'm like, he flipped me off. Listen, man, we're, we're supposed to bless those that curse us, even when we're in the right. Even when we're nice to them and they curse us, the proper response will not be stomping into the house and punching the countertop and saying things. The proper response would be, ha, ha, I love you too. Mercy turns the other cheek. Mercy turns the other cheek. It is not easily offended. Mercy is not easily offended. I wasn't doing well that day. I completely admit this. Mercy offers his goods to those who have need, even when they don't express their need in a way that you think they should. Mercy supplies needs to those, listen, who don't express their need in a way that you think they should. A lot of people are like, oh sure, I'll help somebody out if they come crawling over broken glass with their hands out and they, and they treat me like I'm Jesus, then I'll help them. No, mercy, mercy lends. Helps those who don't appreciate it. Mercy helps those that don't appreciate it. That's huge. You know why this is so huge? Because it looks completely different than the world looks right now. I'm going to tell you what this world needs is mercy. I look at Facebook pages and I wonder to myself, is there any mercy left in the church today? Is there any mercy left in the church today? It's tit for tat. You say this, I say this back. It's lack of thought, lack of open-mindedness, a lack of an open heart, and a lack of mercy. And here's the deal, mercy is generous. And generosity has more to do with your life than it does with your money. Just as you want men to do to you, this is number seven, you also do to them likewise. Mercy doesn't belong to the undeserving, but mercy is love and kindness and generosity and blessing those that curse you. Loving those that hate you. Giving to those who don't appreciate it. Mercy is generous. And also this. I don't know if you were following along, 
But he talked about the fact that we are to be merciful just as our Father in heaven is merciful. We are to be merciful just as our Father in heaven is merciful. And church, we, listen, we can't escape this. Mercy is expected of the children of God. It's expected. Far too many people ignore this reality because they're led with their emotions and not their reason guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the opposite in a lot of people's lives. Go back and watch the series Emotion Commotion. But if you love those who love you, what credit is, to, is it to you? Down on the bottom of this, I know that's hard to read. It's what we just read. Therefore be merciful as your Father in heaven. Therefore be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. Mercy is not only expected of the children of God, it is a distinction of the children of God. So if you're living your life in my episode with the guy that flipped me off, if that was my lifestyle, you follow what I'm saying? We all have bad days, right? But if you're having bad years or months, you may want to reconnect with your father, number one, or you may want to check if you're a son or a daughter. Because mercy is a distinction of the children of God. Now I say you may want to reconnect with your Father in heaven because sometimes we backslide. And we still look Christian on the surface, but roiling underneath is a lot of unchristlike attitudes, hearts. And the reason it is is because we are not walking in the presence of Jesus on a daily basis, or we've never met him. Because mercy is the distinction of the children of God. He said, to the, he said to his disciples, I'm sorry, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible, Luke chapter 17 now, that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then if he should offend one of these little ones, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Right? Sometimes people misunderstand mercy as just giving a free pass and ignoring the problem. Not the case. If, you're, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, give him mercy. If he sins against you seven times... Oh. Wait a second. Let me make this bigger. Is that, does that say that? Does it say seven times in a day? Do you guys have the same thing in your Bibles? Is that a translation error? If he sins against you... Seven times in a day? Let me look at this monitor. It says it on these ones too. Oh, it does. It says it there. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall make him work off his debt. 
If he comes to you in seven times and he says, I repent, you shall make him prove it. If he comes to you and says, uh, I repent in tears and crawling to you and saying, I'm so sorry, please. What does it say? No, it says repent. That means changing of heart and mind. I remember I, I, I talked to you, church, about this fellow that was condemning one of our young ladies who had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. Listen, the Bible very clearly teaches that sex belongs within the confines of marriage and outside of it, it is sin. That's what the Bible teaches. She had failed and gotten pregnant before she was married. Had her and her boyfriend in my office, did some counseling with them, they got married, and they said, oh, we're, we blew it, we blew it, we know we blew it, we're committed to this. I said, okay, if you're absolutely committed, then let's go through with this. The wedding's in like six weeks or something, and Yes, pastor, absolutely. Okay, great. If you can't keep your hands off each other, I will marry you right now here in the office. Oh, no, pastor, we can handle it. We can handle it. I'm like, great. Awesome. Like three or four weeks go by, and they, and they come in. Pastor, we blew it again. <laughs> what? You can't do this to me. Uh, That's very selfish, but <laughs> that's how I felt. I'm like, I extended mercy to you. Gave you grace. People were mad at me for this. But you know, the Bible says if they, if they sin seven times in a day, come back and say, I'm sorry, I repent, to forgive them. The church has no grounds to look at someone who says, I, I repent, and say, oh, well, you know, you've done it twice now. It's too late. Dude, if, if God only forgave you for the same sin once, we are all toast. And I, I share this with you, right? That this person came to me, a person in our church who's no longer in our church, however you want to look at that, no longer in our church, came to me and said, hey, um, I just noticed that so-and-so's been married now for um, like 11 months, but they had their child X amount of months, is, is, their child is so many months old or whatever, however it was, he did the math. I mean, it's very difficult to do the math. And, and he did the math and he said, that means that they had sex before they were married. Again, what are you going to do about this? I said, oh, well, um, I already took care of it. Came in my office, and they said, uh, they, they said, we were wrong. We shouldn't have done this. I'm pregnant. And I said, are you sure? You're, are, you, are you serious about this? I mean, are you, yeah, we're serious about it. Matter of fact, they're still married today, by the way. They're down in Florida, and they're still married. And they have two kids, I think. And... Um, and he says, well, yeah, well, if they really repented, they wouldn't have done this again. Then you know the rest of the story. Do you all know the rest of the story? How I looked at his obesity and I, and I said, are you sure that you've never done the same sin twice? I don't think so. That was the most, listen, that person lacked introspection like no one I have ever met in my life. For you to look at me and say, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever sinned the same sin twice. How are you a human being? How are you introspective at all? How have you even been saved? How can you look in the mirror and say, I've never sinned the same sin twice? It's ludicrous. It's insanity. 
Jesus says, if you sin seven times in a day, go to your brother and say, I repent. Your brother shall forgive you. And the, the apostles and the apostles, they said the, the natural response, they said the natural response was this, Lord, increase our faith. I don't know why my thing's not moving, but good luck. Lord, increase our faith. Now, some of y'all, you're here this morning, and that's exactly how you feel. When I talk about this subject, there are people that have wronged you. There are people that have hurt you. And I'm preaching what Jesus says. Have mercy to the undeserving. Bless those that curse you. Love those that hate you. Give to those that don't appreciate it and could care less about you. And you're sitting here, and you're in good company when you say, Lord, increase our faith because what Jesus is talking about here make no mistake it is impossible it's impossible you don't believe it try it try it it's impossible it requires it requires faith it requires a dynamic personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it requires. I hope you have one this morning. If you don't, I want to recommend that you trust the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. That you go to Him and you ask Him to cleanse your heart of your sin and for the Father, the Creator, to come in and give you a new life. I want to challenge you to do that, church. We can't do any of these things without Jesus. We just can't. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. <clears throat> Let's go on. So the Lord said, and some of you have been here when I've preached through this particular series. The Lord said, <clears throat> sorry, if you have the faith as a mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted by the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you having a, a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded to him? I think not. Listen, Jesus is calling a spade a spade here. He's just, he is laying down the truth and he's laying it down thick. You're saying, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, Lord, you're out of your mind. This is impossible. And Jesus is saying, I don't need to increase your faith. You already have enough. Now obey. It kind of reminds me of when my kids are arguing with me. Anybody have kids that argue with them? And, and every now and then I'll just look at them and say, enough! Just do what I'm telling you to do. Sort of where Jesus is at right now. You have the faith. Don't come at me with all of your excuses. Oh Lord, you don't understand. Oh Lord, he, he lives in you. He understands intimately everything you're going through. Everything. Everything. 
feels it, lives it, experiences it. The Spirit of Christ is in you. Give, and again, here he comes, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. I know you're all wondering, what is going on up here with my iPad? It decided that it didn't like the Wi-Fi. Grant mercy, receive mercy. Grant mercy, receive mercy. Mercy. Can you say that with me? Grant mercy, receive mercy. One, two, three. Grant mercy, receive mercy. Say it again. Grant mercy, receive mercy. This is probably the biggest point I want to drive home because the Lord said your reward will be great. The Lord said, listen, I'm not asking you to do all these things. Suffer the loss, bless those that curse you, love those that hate you. I'm not asking you to do them and receive nothing for your good behavior. I'm telling you that if you will do them, you will receive rewards. And if you do them, you will receive mercy. But not just any mercy. This mercy that you will receive will be pressed down, flowing over, and will be poured into you. Some of you wonder why no one ever gives you a break. Has anybody ever been there? Why can't I catch a, why can't I catch a break? Well, <laughs> the reality is, you, you <laughs> it's not nice, Lord, but so true. Um, you can't catch a break because you don't give a break. People don't pour mercy into your life because you don't pour mercy into others' lives. It's just the reality. This is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. He's not saying love those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Give to those that steal from you. He's not saying all these things and saying, and you will receive nothing. He's saying how you do it, you will receive it. How you do it, you will receive it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a screw-up. And I'm not being um, uh, falsely humble here. I look into the mirror. I shared with you this morning how how what happened in the parking lot and how annoyed I was and I didn't respond appropriately. If you want people to be merciful to you when you have those moments, you need to pour mercy out on others. Grant mercy, receive mercy. Oh, pastor, nobody gives me a break. Here is the formula. Here is the formula. It is a biblical formula. I have received, listen, I have received so much mercy in my life. And mercy doesn't go to those who deserve it. But I know this, that part of the reason that I've received mercy, something I don't deserve, is because I have given mercy to people that don't deserve it. I have had people sin against me and been their best friend afterwards. I loved them afterwards help them afterwards, had people practically curse me out and still take a two-hour phone conversation to walk them through a difficult time in their life and just love them and have mercy on them. And that is why God has mercy on us and others have mercy on us. As you do, so shall it be done unto you. But again, the beautiful thing about it is, Pastor Z, our founding pastor, he's so awesome. He's, um, he's in heaven now, and I'm hoping that I'm making him proud. A team can come up. Um, and um, 
he used to love this analogy of, of a bag of potato chips. Anybody heard this analogy? Pastor C used to say this all the time. Pam, you remember it, right? Yeah. yeah. And of course, we know that they put the air in the bag to protect the chips from cracking, right? We know that. Most of us sitting there knew that, but Pastor C loved this illustration anyways. He's like, I love getting this big bag of chips, and it's like this big, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I can't wait to get into this. And he's like, and I open it up, and poof, I look in the bag, and he's like, bag is this big and this wide. And I look in the bag, and there on the bottom of the bag is just a little, itty bitty, little tiny little amount of potato chips. And Pastor Z says, that's not how God gives back to you. He fills your bag full. Now again, your chips may be cracked at that point, but at least they're in there. Okay? The, the beautiful thing about grant mercy, receive mercy is this. Grant mercy and receive not just the same amount that you gave. Right? Nate loves to cook. He makes... Dude, my son makes homemade pancakes. Not like the pancake mix in a box. Like he's got his girlfriend over the other day, and he's breaking out flour and other stuff and vanilla, and I mean, he's just like mixing it up. So you can take a cup of flour, just scoop it in, and it'll be like a cup of flour. Or you can take a cup of flour and press it down, right? Pour some more and press it down. Pour some more and press it down. This is what God is talking about. You, you will receive mercy the same measure that you give, but pressed down, compounded, and flowing over. So church, I hope you'll consider that this morning. This message is so timely for what's happening in our country right now. Our country has probably never been as divisive as it is now since the Civil War. And, and Christians, I'm going to challenge you. Bless those that curse you. Love those that hate you. Be considerate of what you're going to post. I was sharing with some folks this morning that I have written comments and posts out paragraphs. And instead of hitting post or comment, they said, did you delete them? I said, no, I cut them and pasted them in a notebook because they're really good, but not good to post, right? Like, I don't want to lose my thoughts. I just want to frame them in a better way because I want to live like, love like, act like, and speak like Jesus, especially to those that don't know Him. I want to be merciful and loving and compassionate and caring. And the only way we can accomplish these things is if we are walking in the presence of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, or if you're online this morning and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, can I challenge you? Would you call out to Jesus right now this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I recognize as I look in the mirror that I have failed and I have fallen and I have sinned and I have come short of your perfection. But Jesus, I believe you died and you took my place. And you took my punishment. And so, Father God, based upon that, I'm asking for mercy, for the forgiveness of my sins, past, present, and future. And Lord Jesus, I know you're alive, and I'm trusting you. And Christians, 
You've done that. You've asked him to be your savior. He has redeemed your eternal soul. But it doesn't end there. The Lord is not just calling us to salvation and forgiveness. He is calling us to follow him. You can't follow someone that you're not walking with, aware of his presence day after day. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.